0: So essentially, uh, the world that we are in really divides sensation, feeling into good and bad. So we say things like happiness, joy, um, bliss, turn on, all good and or, you know, depending, but all good. (laughs) And then we say things like pain, sadness, heartbreak, anger, bad. And then we overemphasize with the parts of our experience that bring about what our conscious mind, what our ego will associate as good, happy. um, And we disassociate from what our conscious mind says is bad, painful, heartbreaking, angering, uh, frustrating. So that's kind of the the playing field that we're in, is this world where we treat some things that happen as bad and they shouldn't happen, and some things that happen as good and should happen. And existential kink actually allows us to move outside of there are things that are bad and shouldn't happen and things that are good and shouldn't happen. So like, life is happening. Life is happening. How do we meet that happening while being fully present for it?
1: Welcome to Jacqueline Explores, the podcast where we explore science, somatics, and social change. I'm your host, Jacqueline Shea. I'm an embodiment coach, facilitator, researcher, and science communicator. After 10 years in public health and health tech, my own trauma healing journey brought me to somatics. In this podcast, I'll share the cutting-edge science and somatic frameworks and tools that change my life and will help you feel better, move through stress, heal trauma, and live the life of your dreams. But that's not all. I'll also highlight why and how most individual issues have systemic roots and the social change work being done and needed to create a world in which we can all thrive. Let's explore. Today, I'm talking with Tumi, who is a somatic practitioner, magician, and spiritual coach. They support humans to integrate their shadow, reconnect with their bodies, and become their most fully alive selves. They have a particular passion for supporting artists, healers, creative entrepreneurs, and change makers to show up for their life-giving work with total presence, vitality, and turn on, so that they may transform the world from that centered resource placed. Mm, 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 mm. Yum, well, yum, welcome yum, yum, yum. to me. Yes, that's how I feel. <gasps> <laughs> Reading that bio, I'm just like, mm. Mm. welcome. Thank I would you. Love to jump in with this big, big, juicy question that we're gonna basically discuss today. What is existential kink?
0: Yes, I love this question. Um, I've been chewing on it all day. And what I would say existential kink is it's actually layered. So existential kink is a body of work, like first and foremost, it's a book by Carolyn Elliott, where she introduces the idea of existential kink, then in some ways, you could call it a philosophy or a consciousness or a way of being. Um, But under that, and I would say the gateway to that way of being is that existential kink is a meditation and it's a somatic practice. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily define existential kink as a somatic practice, but I think that's super important. um, because in the way that I feel Carolyn transmitting, uh, the, the current of existential kink, it really is a way of reconnecting with sensation in our body without moralistic judgment, um, and thus freeing ourselves to experience more of our liveness, more of our vitality, um, yeah, and more of our humanity. Hmm.
1: Okay, yeah. I, can you speak a little bit more about what happens when we do experience sensation and our experiences through like a moralistic point of view, basically how we all,
0: how we all go about it? <laughs> how we all go about it, yeah. yeah. So essentially, uh, the world that we are in really divides sensation, feeling into good and bad. So we say things like happiness, joy, um, bliss, turn on, all good and or, you know, depending, but all good. (laughs) And then we say things like pain, sadness, heartbreak, anger, bad. And then we overemphasize with the parts of our experience that bring about what our conscious mind, what our ego will associate as good, happy, um, and we disassociate from what our conscious mind says is bad, painful, heartbreaking, angering, uh, frustrating. So that's kind of the, the playing field that we're in, is this world where we treat some things that happen as bad and they shouldn't happen, and some things that happen as good and should happen. And existential kink actually allows us to move outside of there are things that are bad and shouldn't happen and things that are good and shouldn't happen. So like, life is happening. Life is happening. How do we meet that happening while being fully present for it?
1: Mm. Yeah. How do we experience life and it's full buffet of, of experiences, Mm. which will always include suffering, but how Mm. do we maybe not further contribute to our own suffering by, by how are, how are we doing that?
0: Yeah, by saying, no, I don't like this. This is bad. It shouldn't be happening. So essentially, what we can understand is contraction. Um, And this, you know, that there are some experiences that have such a sensational charge in our bodies that we go like, no, 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 no. And we kind of instinctively curl into this ball. This is very like, no, no. and that's okay it's okay that that happens it's not a bad thing it's not shameful you know it's very human it's how our bodies protect us they go into this contracted no uh, but existential kink and i would have to say even a lot of like trauma resolution modalities are about learning to unfurl from the contracted no ball position and to move into a more expansive like <gasps> And in some ways, existential kink is is learning to say yes to everything that's happening Mm. because it is happening, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can be in acceptance and approval of all of life exactly as it happens. And we can be in acceptance and approval of how the charge of life meets our bodies. And we can be in Mm. acceptance and approval of how we respond to that. But it's really about like being in this place of total acceptance and approval of everything that happens inside of us.
1: Wow. It's, I mean, it's mm. radical. Like it's a big freaking mm. concept. And, you know, we have certain responses that our body goes to that are natural, that are like these adaptive evolutionary features and they're all brilliant in the short term but when they Mm. become our default state that's where they cause real harm and so like bracing is a brilliant freaking response Mm. I'm so Mm. glad that all of our bodies have that ability and and yet when we like brace against life and against our Mm. experience it's like it's like compound exponentially more suffering Mm. um Mm. and the, even just the concept of like, um, so the name that's Decentral Kink is really playful. It's, it's, it's like saying (laughs) you, you, you could maybe (laughs) pleasurably enjoy this bad thing. And for Mm. me, that concept helped me soften how I relate to certain patterns because it was, it was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just kinky.
0: <laughs> I'm just kinky like that. <laughs> I'm just kinky like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I love you saying that um, because it brings in this reminder for me that like, it's great sometimes when people hear about existential kink and you hear, and people hear about this idea that we can get off on everything that happens in reality, people will go to the most traumatizing, kind of most intense personal events, human collective events, and say, like, what? We need to get off on that. And actually, existential kink is far more useful when we, when we use it as a practice to address one of those little patterns that we have, right? Like, I just seem to always date people that remind me of my dad. Seems to just be this weird thing that I keep doing. Who knows? Keep finding myself in that position. <laughs> and when we take something like that, if there's not too much charge in my body around it, like maybe just more annoyance and frustration, like why does this keep happening? Then I can take that consciousness and say, what if there was a part of me that was enjoying this? What if there was a part of me that was curious about this? Sometimes I like to use the word fascinated with so that we can move out of like the, because sometimes instinctively we say, I didn't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. I keep finding myself in these painful dynamics and patterns. But it's like, wow, what if there was a part of you that was just fascinated by it? That was like this artist that's like, I just wanna experience everything under the sun and the particular strokes and sensations and feelings evoked by this story, fantastic. And so existential kink is really connecting with that inner artist that like really is getting off on the beauty of all reality. But we start with something that carries some charge, but isn't the most charged thing to have ever happened to us or our community or our collective.
1: Yeah, that is there's such wisdom there. I, You know, we're, it makes sense that if maybe you have experienced trauma, a real hardship that you're like, I'm ready to be free of, that you might want to go there, mm. but you can't mm. first. And it's, I mean... I think with anything with the body it's it's like working out you have to start slow and small like if you mm. you don't just run a 5k out of nowhere you know you don't just lift the heavy out of nowhere <laughs> like yeah. you start small and yeah one of the most beautiful things is that I think what EK does and it could also be really supportive to get this this help elsewhere is just the language of the body and sensation. Mm. And I think that's mm. that's what you bring in that I haven't always experienced with folks in the EK world is this real somatic orientation. Mm. Um so I think I just want to ask a, like a broad kind of question about that and maybe we you can also tie us in a little bit to how did you come to this work? Cuz my understanding is the somatic stuff did come first or
0: I'll I'll, yeah. let, I'll let you
1: give us that story. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So I got into somatics in 2020. So when I first started studying with the Somatica Institute, uh, which is actually it's in the Somatica Institute, we focus on somatic sex and relationship coaching. So my first entry into connecting with the body was connecting with the body in order to feel more fully sexually embodied, to like connect to eros, to connect to pleasure. Um, which was actually a really beautiful segue for me into existential kink, because a lot of it just instinctively made sense. Like, oh, it's about connecting to the turn on of this experience in the body. And I also like after I started training with the Somatica Institute, I got really obsessed with somatics and um, did some work with the Embody lab around like somatic attachment therapy and um, work with Resma Menichem around somatic abolitionism. And I just, I'm like a nut for somatics and understanding my body. And I had a lot of trauma that I needed to work through. So I think that's also really important to name is like, I found existential kink after doing really significant, intentional somatic therapy, trauma healing for like a good two, almost three years. Um, and that has been very, very foundational so that I could enter the work of EK. Um, and I think that's where I see people when they first encounter EK and they think that it's just a head-based thing, they can really actually use it to abuse themselves and like to try convince themselves that they're getting off on things like, I really love this experience that's creating a lot of pain and suffering for me. But it's, it's not coming from a... a integrated place it's like they're bullying themselves into believing that to be true and ek actually isn't about pretending that you're turned on by something it's actually pretending that you're not (laughs) like it's 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 dropping the pretense that you're not turned on by this thing so you're connecting to turn on that's already there you're mining it you're connecting with it But you're doing that slowly and gently and you're doing it with something that, you know, is maybe here at the surface (sighs) and you're seeing like, oh, can I realize that this thing I say I don't like, I really am in love with. And then you take it deeper and deeper and deeper. But like we said earlier, it's like lifting weights. It's like going to the gym. You build stamina.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, what I love about somatics is like regardless of the modality that you work with, you're working with a practitioner with, you're going to learn the language of sensation. And you're going to like develop a finer tune of like, what's here? And, you know, like psychology really just talks about emotions and it kind of talks about them as if they're only happening in our mind. Mm. And, and yet when we feel our yes, when we feel our no, which is not binary, it's a whole spectrum, but you learn Mm. the color palette. I love when Mm. my clients are like, I know different parts of my body will be fear and different parts of my body will be more excitement different parts of my body will be the story and different parts of my body will be my intuition and some Mm. of that stuff is probably somewhat human universal and some of it's highly their body Mm. and you know with existential kink it's like when you can feel your body you won't gaslight yourself like that Mm. like you'll be like is this actually a fucked up situation that I need to remove myself from because it feels like, no, it feels like I'm scared. It feels like I'm bracing. Am I actually open to this? Like that's an embodied knowing. And I think in a lot of modalities, yeah, they can, they can either just not work as well or they can be harmful or there can be Mm. messed up power dynamics that can be created when people don't have an embodied knowing.
0: Yes. Yeah. Ah yeah just receiving all the wisdom of that um and how foundational it is for people to have that embodied sense of yes and no because another thing that can happen is like i was doing some ek earlier on this relational pattern where i love being attracted to people that will like um do this very specific thing which is to say that they're going to come and visit me at a time and then like disappear for hours (laughs) and not like Mm. share like where they're at or what's happening. And so I was doing EK on this because I was like, I am finding myself in this situation very often, you know, like it is it is clearly something in my unconscious that is desiring this experience. But getting off on that doesn't mean me saying, I'm totally fine with all these pe- and I'm just going to keep putting myself in situations where people are going to keep just like showing up hours and hours later and like reminding me of my childhood and my relationship with my dad. Instead, it's like, Oh, there's something in that experience that connects me to something beautiful. It does connect me to my dad. It um, There's something that my body finds desirable about being disregarded. I can recognize that and get the full enjoyment that I've been getting out of it. And then I can say, I'm not choosing that anymore. And that's where like EK isn't then saying you just have to keep saying yes to everything. It's like you recognize that you've been saying yes to something and then you have the freedom to choose differently, Mm -hmm. but only through making that choice conscious. And for most of us, when we find ourselves in a repetitive pattern, it's unconscious and we don't have the power to choose differently.
1: Yeah, I would love if you could talk more about like the unconscious part, because I think- um yeah just naming like this kind of this kind of mm, battle for lack of a better word between our conscious and our unconscious desires and drives yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah so carolyn's work has really been influenced by carl jung and -hmm. one of my favorite things that carl jung says and it's in the beginning of existential kink is until you make the unconscious conscious it will rule your life and you will call it fate that was a big part of he's medicine and, and he's teaching to the world is like, there is this vast unconscious, it is much bigger than your individual ego, this I that you think you are, uh, and it is controlling your life. <laughs> and so what existential kink is really doing is helping us to connect to that vast unconscious that actually wants to experience everything. Once again, the the unconscious is this big artistic self that's like, wow, suffering, turmoil, heartbreak, beauty, joy, pleasure, I want it all, right? The unconscious in some ways, it's like if if you're someone who's spiritual um, or you have a sense of like that there is some larger divine intelligence, like the unconscious is part of that. The unconscious and the conscious married is that larger intelligence and so existential kink also helps us like when we at a very basic level existential kink helps us to get what we want but often little small self to me and i is saying i really want more money for example or i really want more loving relationships But vast oceanic unconscious self to me is saying, I love scarcity. Oh, I love the exquisite sensations of being broke and scrambling for money and being worried about how I'm going to pay for things. And I just love when I have partners that reject me and abandon me. And I think of the ego as like a grain of sand in the unconscious, which is like the desert or, you know, a drop of water in the unconscious, which is an ocean. And so the unconscious is so much bigger than us. And that is actually our true self. It's actually our true nature. And in order to manifest the things that we consciously desire into this, man- into this physical reality, we need to marry the two. And that's what EK also helps us to do is like to recognize, wow, there's a part of me that really does genuinely desire money. And there's a part of me that desires scarcity. There's a part of me that desires safe relationships. And there's a part of me that desires just danger and (laughs) relationships that remind me of my childhood dynamics. And it's not ignoring that both of those exist. It's saying they're both here. They're both present, like with the wisdom that you are seeing in your clients' bodies. These things exist in my body at once. And in some ways, the body is the site of the unconscious, which also makes it so interesting to marry all this work.
1: Fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, I think so many ways that we try to support ourselves or like change our behavior is by just shoving Mm. down the parts of us that hurt, that are lazy, that, Mm. you know... Or like, you know, it's even if we don't quote unquote struggle with addiction, we're all actually in maybe some dances with whether that's scrolling on social media or toxic ex, like whatever we all have our our behaviors that and then we, you know, the primary, the primary way that our society says you should try to change is like, well, just stop eating all pleasurable foods, just work your body really hard, just schedule it and be rigid. And Mm -hmm. I love try harder. Just try harder. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Mm. And I love parts work, and and I kind of do Mm. do a modality of of, um. It's basically somatic internal family systems and really Mm. blending somatic modalities. But this this idea that like, what if we could love all of these parts? We're a cast of characters. And, you know, maybe it's very specific of like you literally have a little rebellious 14 year old who has very specific (sighs) desires or maybe it's just a general thing. And I also uh, I'm curious to hear what you think about this, but like I think there's stuff from our lineage of, you know, like there's there's patterns in my family relationally that just mm-hmm. keep passing on and i'm sort of like oh yeah i'm going to i'm going to be the one to kind of heal that stuff we don't need to keep that dance going <laughs> um, mm. and so yeah and i think you know talking about like things like collective consci- unconsciousness or consciousness i totally get how that can be scary to people but we really are you know part of something much bigger <laughs> and mm. there's been so many um, like we come from stardust, so I think
0: mm. I take,
1: I take, um, both comfort and this kind of awe of like we'll never know,
0: mm.
1: like this this majestic, you know. And so I'm like, yeah, there's there's something collective, going on that yeah anyway so that's that's some reflections
0: yeah and I love so one of the things before I got into UK I also trained as an ancestral lineage healing practitioner and I went through an initiation here for several months um mm. just like really focusing on connecting to my ancestors and I love the intersection between ancestral work and parts work because I'm like Ancestors are just parts <laughs> in, in my, that's my sense is like, yeah. oh, these are all of these parts and all of those parts live in the vast unconscious. Sometimes a part is coming forward from like ye- decades, centuries before. Sometimes it's your parents or your grandparents. Sometimes it's more recent. Um, but yeah. these, these archetypal energies come forward when they haven't been resolved or rather integrated. Everything mm-hmm. wants to be integrated. That's my sense of the world. <laughs> it's like everything wants to be integrated. Did you want to say something there? Yeah, you
1: know, I think there's this idea I mentioned before we started recording that I listened to an interview with Oprah and Marianne Williamston, mm. and she talked about something of just like the universe being self-organizing and like orienting towards mm. more wholeness and more integration, but also kind of like more complexity and beauty. And mm. I've been really marinating in the idea of which several people think this, including um, Elizabeth Gilbert and Rick Rubin, that there's ideas that exist that like want to be created
0: mm. and they'll find
1: a vessel, which I think you and I both are beautiful vessels for the work that we do. <laughs> but similarly, it's sort of like, honestly, I'm now I'm, I'm processing this as I say it, but like I think that's also true with kind of like the collective consciousness both like negative and positive of like Mm. it's sort of like we we're collectively processing some of these fucked up stories around like capitalism and race and gender Mm. and climate and like Mm. and so I think I want to just ask about like you know so far we've talked about ek as more of a individual practice and just for mm. listeners like we will do an ek practice at the end and 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 i'll ask you to talk us through like what what does the ek meditation actually look like but can you mm. talk about ek as this you know thing that actually does something on a social, on a big macro level as well
0: yeah yeah i love you bringing that in because I do feel my grand like philosophy is that everything wants to be integrated. Everything is moving towards love. Everything is moving towards wholeness. Everything is moving towards that place um, of like the divine marriage. <laughs> um, but there's so much like when you were saying like all of these things in our collective unconscious and collective conscious around race, around sex and sexuality, around gender, around like, all of it really, it's, a lot of it is around power. And I, from like an EK perspective, like what I would distill it to is like, there's a lot, we have been obsessed, like for maybe more than 2000 years as human beings, we've been obsessed with stories about power. We've been obsessed with stories about domination. Like we have just been absolutely obsessed with these stories, um, and when I was reflecting on this today, because I grew up, both my parents were activists or and are activists. I, you know, kind of grew up like really being very aware of of the world and social justice and going to protests and like knowing about the role that my parents played in the struggle because I live in South Africa. So my dad was very involved and in, both my parents were very involved in the anti-apartheid struggle. And that was so much of like the content that I was born into. Um, And so I'm like no stranger to these delightful human struggles of power (laughs) and like wanting to have power over people and and all of this conflict. And then growing up in South Africa and seeing just more of that, like playing itself out all the time, lots of conflict, lots of power struggles. Um, My sense is that if we are unwilling to integrate that particular aspect of the unconscious or our shadow, it will continue to manifest because it will continue asking to be integrated and it will continue to manifest until some generation, which is what I hope our generation is and what I believe our generation to be until some generation says, we are willing to integrate this, we are willing to look at this. We are willing to learn from this. We are willing to accept the gifts of this. We are willing to heal the trauma from this. Until that happens, it'll just keep resurfacing. And we're really at this fundamental like tipping point in our relationship with the planet, um, in our relationship with each other, where if we don't start to really shift these narratives um, or these stories that we're obsessed with playing out around power um, and oppression and domination, um we really won't have a planet to call home like even just from an ecological perspective because we're obsessed with playing out the story with the earth too and with all of our kin yeah. um, and so yeah that feels like the 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 potential of ek is huge at mm-hmm. a collective level because it's not enough to just shift the external structures if we don't shift the consciousness that created them and if yeah. we even like do all the right things as a world and create all the right policies if this obsession with domination still lives in us we'll find another way to play it out so we need to just be the ones yeah. to really mm. that um yeah love yeah. it integrate it.
1: yeah one uh, well, you know that's such a great example of like if we don't actually deal with the with the root um driver you know mm. it's sort of like we've had you pass a bill you know this the civil rights act but but racism finds another structure or it finds exactly. another form and exactly. so it's like we have to deal with the underlying driving factors and mm. um it makes me think about how uh, you know to, to really bring in the somatic piece is like we have to feel the hurt and the grief and like mm. w- part of integrating is like fully being with all the all the parts of that experience. And I think as a society, there's a lot of people who are very vested in us, like, I mean, denying reality and like telling false stories about what's happening. And I'm thinking of Mm. like US politics and banning Mm. of, you know, education on, yeah, there's a lot happening. Mm. Um, Mm. But uh, it's like, (sighs) I want a world in which we can feel the, the actual trauma of what has happened and is happening to us because I think so many people are disconnected because that's the only way to survive in this world mm. and in a world in which we all are like no things have to change um, mm. I feel that urgency regards to the mm. climate crisis but it's happening in so many so many other areas um, yeah yeah and hmm. this kind of but this is so big and so for example this might not be something to do an ek on if you're starting <laughs> you don't need exactly. to like ek <laughs> so we just went there <laughs> we can all take some deep breaths <laughs> i'm curious yeah. about can you <laughs> like sorry i got a little too real um... <laughs> what is can you help us understand like for example what is something that is just like a weird thing that happens in your life versus something that's ek yeah and
0: yeah i'll say i want to say something to like wrap up the last bit and then i'll answer this yeah um but i do think like what you said there jacqueline about like yeah if you're just starting ek like don't begin with um, like the environmental crisis, <laughs> you know, or like no. white body supremacy at like its biggest scale. Cause it's just going to be too overwhelming. And yeah. some other wisdom that, like, you shared there is is this principle that Carolyn also shares, which is, like, before we can feel the pleasure in something, we need to feel the grief in it. So that's also a part of the EK process, is fully feeling the grief, fully feeling the grief of environmental destruction, fully feeling the grief of white body supremacy and the impacts that it has on all of our bodies, fully feeling the grief of colonization, Fully feeling the grief of patriarchy and and this fearful relationship that so many of us have with our sexuality and our bodies, like all of that grief work is so important. We need to let it pour out of us. We need to feel it fully, be present with it fully. That's when we can start to realize from the larger con, like the larger perspective, that there is something about these stories that has been compelling because there was something for us to learn in them, and we can also alchemize that and move on. Um, but yeah, just want to give people that scope that like, eventually I do do EK on a lot of these big things, but it's because I've had all of this practice on doing little annoying EK stuff. So then with your question about, well, can um, I, sorry, one last, just that,
1: you know, we, if there is grief, we have to feel it. And at some point we will get to a place where we can feel grief and joy together, but you can't mm-hmm. get there if you can't feel grief first. And mm. if you don't feel grief, you probably will def- feel, or you'll have less of a capacity to feel even joy. So like,
0: mm. you
1: know, grief is scary, but like mm. feel that shit. Um, feel it. yeah. I just, yeah. just wanted to like
0: say that. Add that a little bit. No. And I love that this grief fit just feels so alive. I think also adding that like with grief, You know, it's that like pendulation and going into little bits like grief can be so overwhelming. If you're a person, I have like a cancer sun, Pisces moon, I feel things very (laughs) deeply. (laughs) Um, And if you're like a very big feeling person, you know, you want to touch into Mm -hmm. little bits of the grief, metabolize that, come back into safety and regulation, then go back, touch a little bit of the grief. So it's not something that any of us could do in like a day. Like you cannot feel the grief of the world in like a day. Um, and that's why, yeah, doing this work, like, and, and doing it over time is so important. Um, also to build our capacity to be with grief.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we, I, I think we're just flowing here. So I want to just add a few things because I realize (laughs) some of these concepts I may not have touched on is, Mm. so, you know, you mentioned pendulation and basically it's the idea of like, can I go back and forth between something that maybe feels hard and something that feels neutral or good? Mm. and can I take small bites and um and so what's beautiful is also intentionally having practices where we feel into pleasure and Mm. that could simply be like petting an animal and letting yourself feel the full sensations and the full pleasure you know simply laying in the sun like how can we really build the capacity to be with and savor pleasure Mm. um and doing that dance between a little bit of grief and then bringing your body back to a pleasurable state and like letting your body know like oh I can feel both mm. I, neither one is all consuming and it builds up our capacity to feel and you know we get less we get less attached to the story that that hard place is like on, everything
0: mm. Mm. I think it's why like I, I, I love you offering that that greater context and it's why I'm like oh people should or I would uh, suggest (laughs) working with a somatic practitioner of some kind learning about somatics practicing somatics in some way side by side with EK and potentially even before you get to the EK stage of your journey like read EK play with it as an idea but then do all of this like building of capacity in your body to feel more sensation, because when you develop that capacity, it's going to support your ability to do EK because EK really will like, it's a very fast, um, a fast working modality. I would say like the kind Mm. of transformation that people can experience with EK is very big, rapid. And so if you have a really solid foundation to lead you up into that very you know quick shift in consciousness that can be really supportive then or rather than like trying to shift yourself too quickly and then actually feeling what i see a lot of people do is then like projecting onto carolyn or being like how how dare you suggest this this is awful you're bad um and so strong basin strong basin somatics is there anything Mm. else you want to say about that or can i
1: add the little the final thing is just like (laughs) yes like we we often need to build capacity yeah, before we so can have those big transformations. Mm. And yet we think that the transformation is the is the rapid increase. It's the peak.
0: Exactly. And yet
1: it's it's like the slow growth that the bar chart was barely moving. But that's where we were really building the 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 skills to do the big thing and to have your life yes. change very quickly. That's the last thing I'll say.
0: (laughs) I love, I know this one, we're both like, hee hee hee. Because I, yeah, I think there's an emphasis on catharsis that can also happen in healing spaces and getting to like that big cathartic experience Um, and like, ah, and it's lovely. I love cathartic experiences, but actually I have like an equal respect and love for this like slow capacity building work that I'm doing every day that yeah. often I don't necessarily see the results from until I find myself in a moment where I'm like, Whoa, I have so much more capacity here. Yeah. Um, so praise for the gradual, slow capacity building work that somatics can bring us into mm-hmm. and how that sets us up for everything else, which is just as important, but not more. I love you bringing that in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the
1: question I asked you a while ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, the question we asked a while ago. Um, I would say, so essentially the question was about how do we know what's just like little annoying day things versus EK things? Yeah. I EK everything. Mm. I The more that I do EK, the more that I realize like EK and obviously EKing everything that isn't grief first. So if something doesn't need to be grieved, then I'm probably going to EK it. Um, so whether that's something from, wow, this person that I was just supposed to meet up with, they did this thing where they let me know well after the fact that they weren't coming, like hours after the fact. And that keeps happening to me. I'm just going to do a little EK on that. So that's like, it's a little thing. I could probably go through my day and just ignore it. But it's more of like a curiosity for me. Whenever I see that there's a pattern that I feel some level of annoyance or frustration or don't like about, and it seems to come up with some regularity, so it's not just a once-off blip event, that's when I say, oh, maybe I'm going to do some EK here. Um, but with that being said, I this is where I feel like EK is more a consciousness I rarely sit down to say like, now is the time to do an EK meditation. I did that more in the beginning of my time with EK. I did more of like EK meditations and deepest fear inventories, which is another practice that's amazing that Carolyn speaks about in the book. Um, But now it's more of like an instant after doing that meditation enough, there's just a part of my brain that isn't able, I used to let me collect my thoughts here. I used to say, oh, I don't like this and this is bad. And I just stay in that forever. Now I'll go, I don't like this and this is bad. And then there'll be a secondary voice or secondary consciousness that comes in and is like, oh, you love feeling like you don't like this and this is bad, huh? (laughs) So that's more how Ek plays itself out in my life is like, and it's not to take myself out of that don't like. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just gonna stay and don't like for the whole day but I'm going to stay there with the knowledge that I love being and don't like energy. Does that, uh, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I
1: feel curious. What is that? <laughs> what is the difference between those two ways of responding or reacting in your body? And, and how does that like impact
0: you? The two ways, like the don't like, and then the secondary consciousness or yeah, like
1: pre EK and then have, yeah, being stuck in the don't like and being stuck in the story versus at least having the story and the, the like, huh,
0: And the little awareness, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'd say, I'll use this very specific example because this is like my big EK thing at the moment, which is that when I was a child, my dad would do this thing where he would say like, I'll be there, I'll be there in an hour. And then an hour would come by and he'd be like, oh, I'll actually be here at two. And then two o'clock would come. He'd be like, oh, I'll be there at five. And five o'clock would come. And then he'd say, oh, I'll be there at eight. And eight o'clock would come. And then eventually my mom would say, your dad's not coming. So I had this like intense experience of delayed disappointment that then created this like (gasps) in my body around that. So my body will instinctively go into like a panic around any experience of delayed disappointment, especially with a partner, especially around time. So pre-EK, I remember a partner did this where I'd just gotten back into the country and they said they were going to meet me at the airport. And then I didn't hear from them for like 24 hours. And I just went into such a state of fear, paranoia, contraction, anger, like like moving from like, I'm so angry at them, how dare they? To like, what if something's happened to them? To like my own anxious attachment gets like activated and then I'm in this like <clears throat> kind of nervous system embodiment. I'm breathing very shallowly. I can feel the tension in my body. There's kind of like a scrunch sensation. I feel a lot of hyper aroused energy. So there's a lot of desire to like move or do something. It's like, oh, I need to fix this. It's not like a shutdown. It's very much, I need to figure out how to fix this now. But then I stay in that energy for hours and it can't actually be resolved because for example, this person is only gonna text me tomorrow. So I would just stay in that dysregulated place of like, (gasps) and that would be really painful for me. And then it would come out really intensely after when i eventually got hold of my partner i just like lose it like how dare you make me feel this way you're the worst person we're breaking up like and i would really feel that they were bad and wrong and shouldn't have done that and they're like a monster and i would feel very much like a victim and then the relationship would blow up and i would carry on to, i would carry that pain for months like just you know running it around for months um now so I had something. This has happened like twice in the past week, where like there was a, someone today, an ex that was gonna come over, and they were gonna come over yesterday as well, and they just disappeared. And then we're like, "Oh, sorry, thought I told you I wasn't gonna make it." Um, and <laughs> the way I responded to it was like, <sighs> way less tension in my body. I noticed where some of the contraction came up. I noticed where the story came up that it was personal, and they definitely were doing this. To me, (laughs) like, this was definitely a vindictive act um, versus, like, this is just random and accidental. Um, Or even if it was personal, like, even if they had malice in their intention, like, that still wouldn't be about me. But I could feel all that story come up. I could feel all this, like, feeling of, like, what's so wrong with me that this thing keeps happening to me, this questioning of my worth. And then the way that like I go into also wanting to like either fight or have a conversation instantly or resolve it instantly, but I can feel all of that happening. And when I have that awareness that like a part of me is in love with this experience, it doesn't mean that the experience just disappears. Because I think that's what people think. Then it just means like, oh, it's gone. It actually means I can just be fully present with the experience because I'm not so caught up in the story that it shouldn't be happening and that what, what is happening is wrong and it needs to stop. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm in this place again. Oh, what does it feel like? Oh, how is it feeling in my body? Oh, oh, I know this place. (laughs) And then if I decide, like today, I actually decided to go into an EK meditation, I could connect to like, oh, the turn on and arousal that I get from feeling disrespected or disregarded but specifically i enjoy the scrambling that i go into because it consumes all my energy and it becomes like the most entertaining thing that i can do in my whole day is just to fixate on this person and on to trying to get their attention or their apology or their whatever and i could just watch the game and it doesn't mean that the game stopped or disappeared but also now i'm able to be here be present with you i'm not running that energy through my body whereas a couple months ago, a year ago, I would have been running that energy so intensely that I might have said, "Jacqueline, I can't come today. I'm in so much distress."
1: Wow, there's so many things that I'm like, "Should oh, which point do I follow up on?" Um, oh, thank you for that example because I mean that's mm. a really personal one, and I so I think it it lands more than mm. some some kind of made up one. Um, and it makes sense that you studied somatic attachment therapy. Mm. Um, yeah. And not, again, like start small, but our, our relational patterns are often mirrors about our beliefs about ourselves in the world. Mm. And to your yeah. point that like nothing's actually personal, like someone else is playing out their relational attachments and beliefs with you and we're all playing it out And Mm. wow, I mean, if you have any, like Mm. for anxious attachment folks, like the alarm goes off and it is a deep, it is a deep primal, like you are not loved and safe. And then of course your system is ready to, to do anything for, to get that back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it it can be absolutely so debilitating and all-consuming mm. um mm. so what a beautiful capacity to just watch mm. and be like yes this is happening and I can watch it and like I think as far as like I personally don't I'm not chasing enlightenment and I don't think that that should be the goal of human existence like we're here to have a human experience mm. but you know, as far as being kind of like a Jedi-level human, being able to watch the story and not get as caught up in it, and dare I say find the pleasure and enjoyment in any situation, obviously not yeah. staying in harmful, abusive situations, <laughs> but you know. Yes. Um, like that's, yeah, that's powerful.
0: Mm. 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 Yeah. And thank you for that reflection, because I feel that, too, like that for me is the superpower. And I think when people um, a lot of people have a strange or have an idea of enlightenment, that it's like this ascending out of the body, uh, which I actually don't think enlightenment is. I think of enlightenment as like being able to be fully aware of our divinity and like fully aware that we are here in a human incarnated body. And to balance both of those. And that is for me what happens in those moments of like, I'm fully aware (laughs) that I'm human. So it's not disassociative. It's not, well, part of me is enjoying this. So no big deal, which wouldn't be true. Right now I'm having a sensational reaction. So it's like surrendering fully to that sensational reaction with the awareness that like, also with some of that divine awareness of having this experience shows that I'm human, shows that I'm Mm. incarnated, like what a miracle that I'm feeling all of this. And so there's that like dual appreciation um, and being fully present with it, which, yeah, Mm -hmm. does feel like a Jedi skill. Thank you for reflecting that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And the
1: phrase that I I learned from you is that we're basically all just sluts for sensation.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like my morning mantra. It's like, oh, we just love sensation. And at at the highest level, we're not judging. This sensation is good. this sensation is bad. Once again, where EK brings us into this larger awareness, it's like, oh, sensation. Sometimes I say like, I sense therefore I am, you know, like there's like that. I think therefore I am. I'm like, oh, I sense therefore I am like sensation tells me that I'm alive. And so of course just from this like purely divine, innocent perspective, we orient towards the most sensational experiences. Sometimes the most sensational experiences are also the most painful, heartbreaking, the ones that remind us the most of our childhood and relational dynamics, or sometimes what I'll call rituals that we've played Mm. out over (laughs) a lifetime.
1: (laughs) That one hit. (laughs) I'm going to need to marinate
0: on that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I read that in um. There's this book called Terror for Change, and um and she speaks about the Six of Cups and she speaks about like childhood childhood trauma and the way we yeah. being acted as like ritual. And I was like, yeah, Whoa. <laughs> totally
1: got <laughs> Yeah, <me. laughs> well, and just to like make that really clear, I think for you know, if as a child, if we had maybe needs that weren't met. Um, we might reenact that same dynamic as a way to get those needs Mm. met. It's sort of like we're Mm. replaying, um, Mm. you know. So for example, (laughs) you might have that experience with your dad and then your subconscious is like, I need to replay this so that I can, so that he'll finally come when he says he comes. (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) exactly. That's all all the little you wants to
1: experience. (laughs) Mm. And yet it's kind of like, You know this sort of like oh but you're gonna keep getting the same outcome if you keep doing the same thing Mm. um and ek is not about like actually reliving that outcome or that dynamic intentionally per se but like letting ourselves actually enjoy it that and then maybe just maybe with with the intention of our conscious mind we can just it can kind of like soften and Mm. yeah Mm.
0: Mm, yeah and even there like after i'd had this experience with my ex then i just sent them a message later in the day once i'd gone through my cycle and done my ek and regulated and i was like hey you're human totally get it i don't want to try reschedule for a third time so if there's something you need to communicate to me you can text me you can voice note you can email those are the ways that you can reach me otherwise hope you're well take care So Mm. I can like from this loving place offer a boundary and also like recognize that I can take care of myself, but I'm also, yeah, I'm not rushing any of those steps. And it's like, it's actually, I don't want to say much safer, but much more loving to myself, I think to take that route than in the past where I would have just waited for him to respond and then be like, come over right now because Mm. I'd be like, we need to resolve this right now. And we'd go back into another cycle of drama and my body would feel that. So yeah. 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 Mm, well, bravo. Yeah. And,
1: you know, one thing I think EK can help us with is understanding how do I enjoy this sensationally? Mm. Are there other needs to get those? Are there other ways to get that sensational need met mm. <laughs> that are more enjoyable? So, you know, yeah, maybe there's a desire for some real electric, fiery, fiery bubbly energy what are other ways to get that met and Mm. even you know you have a background in the sexual and relationship coaching like we can play out some fantasies in safe consensual ways that literally are sexually pleasurable Um, And so you could play with your, maybe someone's like, oh, I do have an abandonment fantasy. It's like, great, you can create a container Mm -hmm. that allows you to play with that and then also be held and loved afterwards and in a secure (laughs) relationship. Um, (laughs) So it's almost like, yeah, sensation brings us closer to like what the desire is, Mm. the desire minus the story.
0: Mm. Mm. I love that, the desire minus the story yeah and just when we can like come down to that that pure sensation i think that's what ek is like you've just summed it up so perfectly there it's like just connecting to the sensation um and then that's what i love about being a sex coach as well it's like oh how else like that's why so then sometimes after like when i want to alchemize all of that um ek energy i'll just masturbate i'll like get out my vibrator and then i like play the fantasy in my head of like oh i'm just so abandoned by this person like but i'm feeling the pleasure and the turn on at the same time and it's like oh and then i can close it (laughs) and then i can be like yes i got to experience it i don't need to experience it in my outside life um yeah so there's so mm. much there's so much power, choice, and freedom that can come from getting off on these patterns that we just don't have when we're being ruled by them.
1: Mm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's sort of like, is
1: the pattern doming you, <laughs> or can you <laughs> can you really you know s- set the scene and intentionally elect to? engage in it in a way that is enjoyable for you
0: (laughs) yes I love that I'm going to take that with me is the pattern doming you (laughs) morning (laughs) check-in
1: how are we doing
0: (laughs) Mm. um
1: I'm checking our kind of some our bullet point outline um man I feel like we've covered so much yeah it's just our little we discussed um It's like a trail, and yet it splits off to Mm. other trails. And there's some waterfalls that we beautifully spent a lot of time on, and I'm so glad we did. Um, Mm. I mean, I feel like we've covered a lot. Is there anything else that you want to riff on? You want to talk about? Topics you want to circle back to? Examples?
0: Mm. Mm. Let me take a moment to like. I think the last thing that I would say about EK is I find that a lot of people who arrive at EK have done a lot of the other work. They've been in talk therapy, maybe they've done some somatic therapy, like they know about inner work and self-help and listen to the podcast and like do all of this work. Then they arrive at this precipice where it's like, then what? And that Mm. was very much me. Like I had been in talk therapy for years and I knew all this stuff about my dad and I knew how it controlled. It's like, yes, I know that I do this because of this relationship with my dad and because this happened when I was three and and like, we know the whole story. But then there's this question of like, okay, and then what? Like, how do I actually see the fruits of that awareness of that understanding bloom in my life? Because I can know that I choose these partners because of my relationship with my dad and I might still keep choosing them. Um, And I find that EK really offers the one significant solution to the like, then what? Like EK really shines in transforming challenging patterns. And so I guess I just wanna say that for anyone who's listening, who is in these worlds, has maybe been going to talk therapy, maybe like knows a lot about inner work and self-help and cares about doing this healing work, but you find yourself in this position where it's like okay i recognize that i have these patterns i can tell the whole story of them and then what do we do with that it feels like it's waiting for you if that if you're in that place and i i just want to make that really explicit for people that like yeah. that's when i think um mm-hmm. yeah it can provide the most depth because it actually lets you transform transform the pattern yeah. And so I really want to like issue that invitation for anyone listening mm-hmm. who is really wanting to transform a pattern that mm-hmm. is feeling like repetitive and like they don't like it. It's worth giving EK a try. And you can yeah. always throw it out. You don't have to, you know, you can listen to it oh and be my like God. I don't like mm-hmm. it. <laughs> That's yeah, the great take thing. Take it,
1: leave it.
0: Maybe yeah. it plants a
1: certain seed now, and you return to it later. Yeah, I'm curious. What would you? So two part question, um, but related. Mm-hmm. If someone wanted to get started with ek, how should they? How should they start to slowly dip in? And then also, what are your what are things that you offer the world? If they want to work with you, how can they do that? I imagine there's some overlap.
0: Yeah. Yay. Um, so if people want to get into ek the audiobook listening to the audiobook it's read by Carolyn, so it's fantastic and delightful and she's a great like she just reads it with so much oomph and energy and you really get the transmission of it so downloading the audiobook or buying the physical book um or the ebook however you like to receive um it's really not a long book <laughs> it's like a tiny book no. and i've heard yeah it's so small and i've heard so many people say and this was myself included like i'm such a ek fanatic i've been in ek i've like read the book i've then been in carolyn elliott's magic school electric yes i'm still in it i'm going through her initiation mystery school i still have not finished the book
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well it's like the second half is practices and when you find stuff that works then you end up not yeah and so the full title is existential kink by carolyn elliott and Agreed. How Whatever way you consume books, do that. The audiobook is great because she reads it and there's, like, her energy to it. Um, mm. But, yeah, definitely. And also, yeah. like, I probably, I probably read it in, like, fall of 2020. And I listened to it. But I also own the book because sometimes you need written mm. instructions. And it's something mm. that I listen to every year as, like, a refresher mm. concept. And every time, it's very liberating. It's very, like, oh, mm. like, it provides a lightness even though – I feel like I wasn't at a somatic capacity where I could actually feel it, but mm. even just the concept, like, you know, it can feel, yeah, liberating. And like, I I think there's merit in coming back to things and like mm. being with them and learning from them in a deeper way. And I personally do that with, with books, with teachings. Mm. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah
0: continue and, <laughs> and there's so many as well like carolyn has been on luis mojica's podcast holistic life navigation she has two episodes on there she has episodes on so many different people's podcasts but i'm thinking about luis because he's an amazing somatic therapist so it's like there's so many ways to engage with carolyn's energy to follow her on instagram you can get a really good sense of of her vibe and then Really just reading like a third of the book or some people will read a chapter, like the first chapter, and they'll say my whole life has been transformed. So just holding that, but like even just digging into it in a tiny bit, and it might trigger you at first. For me, it really triggered me. I was like, how dare she? And now I'm a total like... Ek fanatic. So I think allowing for your first sensational reaction is also really important. And if you have the like, ugh, I don't like, it's bad, then allow that fully. And if you have the like, ooh, I'm curious, tell me more. Allow that fully. Um, so that's Carolyn. She also has a magic school called Electric Yes for anyone who's like interested in in getting into that. Um, and then in terms of working with me. I am always changing. I'm a very flowy person. So I'm always changing the way that I work. Um, but some things that tend to be in my ecosystem, at least at the moment, are the money magic coven. Um, and that is something that I love so much. Jacqueline's in the money magic coven. We really, EK is the base of like so much of my work and combining EK and somatics and conflict integrations. And in the money magic coven, we do that all around our relationship with money. Um yeah,
1: I would love yeah. to hype it up real quick. <laughs> um, so basically the money coven has been where I've actually experienced EK in a somatic experiential way, aside from like mm. me kind of trying to do it by myself. Um, and the thing is we all have shit around money. We all have in some way, somehow a challenging relationship with money. It echoes mm. our attachment styles. Mm. And as, you know, someone with who's an entrepreneur, like I've been giving myself time to just start my business and I'm like okay babe we we do need to actually like make real money (laughs) and Mm. wow it's been so good Mm. and I I really appreciate the the depth and the variety of practices related to EK and I think playing Mm. with the idea of like you know, expansiveness versus scarcity in the body and playing with like, there's there's a lot here. So if you, you know, um, hopefully to me will offer it again. But if money is something that has a lot of charge that that is a challenging relationship, we have a relationship with money, then check it out.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I love the Money Magic Coven. And I think money is such a wonderful place to practice EK. That's kind of like my sneaky little agenda, is like really getting people into EK through money stuff, because money is one of the places where we experience the most. Constriction and also, like, when we're feeling like we don't have enough money, and when that survival impulse is awakened in us, it can be the hardest to say, like, oh, I can get off on this too. But it's such a powerful place to get off on it because if we can, in that really dense place, find our approval and acceptance, there's so much possibility that opens up for us in the world. And of course, I just want cool people who are doing great work to make money so that they can keep doing great work because that's how we change the world. Um, So that's one thing I also do, I have a little container, the magicians, um, which is really where I focus more on like business stuff and marketing stuff and sales stuff. Once again, for my people who are just cool people doing cool things, to change the world. And then every so often, I just like pop up with a little like, oh, I'm doing a Jesus cult or, oh, I'm, um, I'm doing one-on-one sessions. Um, My capacity as I'm going through initiation right now, one-on-one work has been more small, but in the future I might start doing one-on-one work again. So if you are someone and you resonate with me, the the way that I like working with people most is like if someone really resonates with me, just send me an email and say like, "Hey, I heard you here. I've been following you, and this is what I'm desiring." And then we can connect and see if there's like some shared energy there, because um, yeah. I really like to work in ways that mm-hmm. feel aligned. Yeah, yeah, and you have
1: so much training and tools that come together i mean the body Mm. sex and money like talk about stuff (laughs) where we feel shame and constriction and where we can also feel really expansive and supported and trusting and how Mm. all of those influence every area of our life so whatever if yeah if this resonates yeah that's working with you would be juicy Mm. Yeah.
0: yeah well
1: i would absolutely love for you to guide us in an existential kink practice would love if you could maybe talk like talk us through what what talk it through. is before we before totally. we do it
0: yeah yeah I'm wondering if there's a an ideal I think you were saying like 10 to 15 minutes we ideally yeah. keep it in that
1: range I don't yeah to exactly. it's too
0: long for people just to give them no a taster. and
1: yeah just a, just a taster
0: just a little bite-sized appetizer amazing bite-sized appetizer of ek um so what we're gonna do is So essentially, when we do EK meditations, we're taking something that we say we don't like. And because it's, you know, we're kind of there's a larger group of us like connecting through time um, to do this meditation. I think we're really going to center it in scarcity um, and constriction. Um, So generally, when we feel that that sense of like, because this is a really great place to EK. Um so just to give a little bit about the practice, essentially what we're gonna do, and I'll guide us all through this, is we're going to get comfortable. Really, we wanna be, you know, you can lie down, you can be seated. Um, we really want to be comfortable in our body and as in as much pleasure as we can be, just in terms of like, wow, would it feel supportive to have a comfy cushion under me or to have a blanket over me and to have a I have a hot water bottle with me? Like what would feel supportive? And make my body feel really safe and relaxed. Um, I'll add a little bit of like some somatic addition pieces um, to this particular EK practice. But then what we're going to do is we're going to connect with our bodies um, and we're going to go into this experience of constriction, of scarcity. And what we're going to do is we're going to bring all of our loving approval and acceptance to this part of us that's feeling constricted. And we're going to see if we can feel into just like 5% more pleasure there. So we're going to ask ourselves that that question and then really feel it with our bodies. So the goal of this practice isn't just to keep it as like an idea, but it's okay if the first time as you listen to this, you want to play with it more as a mental concept. But really what we want to do is connect to the feeling in our body um, and then see what awakens for us. Sound good? Ooh, you're muted. <laughs> but I assume you're Thank saying Thank you. That. Yes,
1: I'm actually gonna like fully lean in and lay down and turn my camera off. So passing it fully over to you. Yay, amazing.
0: So welcome everyone. Just inviting you to get comfortable. Inviting you to.
1: All right, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed what you just heard, found it valuable, and want to keep exploring with me, please click follow. To help others learn about this, make sure to give me a five-star rating, write a review, and share it with all your people. To learn more about my work, go to JacquelineExplains.com and sign up for my email list so that you can receive life-changing somatic practices in your inbox. See you next week.